0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Gans Dean uses Titus 2, verses 11 to 14 to talk about how God's grace sanctifies us to live our lives victoriously. Good morning, everybody. Yes, Gidai, Ni Hao, Tatiang Hao, Annyeonghaseyo, and Buenos Dias. I think that covers pretty much most of the nationalities here today. Happy Chinese New Year, everybody. Welcome to Every Nation Canberra. My name is Gans. I'm one of your tag group leaders and a volunteer here as well. Friends, we are on the third week of our Amazing Grace series. On the first week, Pastor Joe talked to us specifically about abundant grace. This is how amazing grace transforms our relationship with God. And then last week, you heard from Brother Alex, and he talked about justifying grace, about how justifying grace transforms our eternity. And transformation, it's really a strange thing. Now Merriam-Webster describes transformation as change, changing an outward form or appearance. But uh, Merriam-Webster talks about transformation not just as an outward form change. Transformation can also be the act of being transformed in composition or in structure or in character or condition. For transformation to happen, you kind of need something with a transformative power to react with something that will react to that first something, right? It's like fire. Fire reacting, let's say, with paper. The composition changes, right? It becomes ash, and then it's blown away with the wind. Or if you set fire to a plastic toy, it melts. It becomes a black unrecognizable mass. If last week we learned that God's grace can transform eternity, this week we're going to chat about how God's grace can sanctify us so that our lives become transformed by his grace. Our passage today comes from Titus 2, verses 11 to 14. Now, as Brother Alex said last week, Paul wrote this letter to Titus as a way of detailing how Christians should behave themselves among unbelievers. It was very important to Paul that we conduct ourselves in a way that is representative of Christ, because being precedes doing. Who you are affects how you act, right? What we do is a direct result of who we are. That's why it's important when we read these verses from Paul to Titus, we understand that this code of conduct would be impossible to follow if not for the grace, the justifying, sanctifying grace of God. So let's read these verses. For the grace of God has appeared. Everybody say appeared. Bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word today. We pray, God, that as we hear from you, may our minds and our hearts be opened to what you have to tell us. And, Lord, may your grace, your abundant, justifying, sanctifying, enriching, powerful grace just be over all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Folks, Paul's letter to Titus had two objectives. Okay? The first objective was to provide leadership guidelines for a church that was surrounded by false teachers. But before he could give guidelines, he had to remind Titus and the church of the spiritual reality that the false teachers were trying to disprove. I'm going to give you some context. So basically, where was Titus? He was in a place called Crete. Okay? And I want to call the people of Crete the people of Crete because I just think. Cretans doesn't sound right. There were people in Crete who were purposefully trying to challenge what was being taught in the church, okay? And they were challenging it specifically with wrong theology. Bible scholars suggest that they were teaching a misunderstanding of salvation and the end times, which was similar to what was being taught in the church of Ephesus. Paul mentions that as well in his letter to the Ephesians. And these false teachers, because of what they were teaching, they were sowing disunity in the church. Okay? And that's important because when there's disunity in the church, it endangers what's happening in the church and it endangers the reputation of the church. Very, very difficult if your church is young. So you want to make sure that the people in the church have an understanding of the right doctrine. That's the first objective of the letter of Paul. And the second objective, which is what we're talking about today, is that it is possible that even in the evil environment that they were living in, it is still possible to live lives that were consistent with the teachings and the examples of Jesus. How? By the grace of God. So let's go through this verse. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. To review, the word grace comes from the Greek word charis, which means unmerited favor, okay? It's favor we receive without having done anything to deserve it, okay? It's important that we understand that the grace of God is ours to freely receive. Next, it says here, appeared, And the word appear comes from the Greek word epiphania, which means to manifest or appear for a purpose. And for what purpose does this grace of God appear? The purpose is to bring salvation for all people. This is important. The grace we don't deserve appearing for a very specific purpose, and that purpose is to bring salvation. This is Paul reminding Titus of the spiritual reality that all these false teachers were trying to undermine. Paul said in his letter to the Romans in Romans 10 verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If Jesus has the power to save, he therefore is the actual manifestation or the appearance of the grace of God. And the salvation he brings is available to everybody, male or female, Gentile or Jew, slaves and masters. I also want to point out that this verse also doesn't say that all of humanity will be saved. It just says how. We're saved by grace. 2 Timothy 1 verses 9 and 10 says, This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel before the beginning of time. What does this mean? This means even the people who were here before Jesus came, the grace is available to them. Salvation is available to them. Oh, what happened to Moses? The grace is available to Moses. Oh, what happened to Rebecca? The grace is available to Rebecca. Salvation is available to everybody by grace. That spiritual reality is what Paul was reminding Titus of in his letter, and that's still what we're being reminded of today. Our sin dooms us to destruction, it dooms us to death. But when Jesus, the manifestation of God's grace, appeared, he brought power by which we might be saved. That's good news. That's good news. Let's look at verse 12. It says here, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. This verse is, once again, talking about the transformation that grace brings. God's grace transforms not just our eternity, which we learned last week, but it transforms our present day reality by transforming our lives so that we can live lives consistent with the teaching and example of Jesus. That process is called sanctification. Sanctification is the continuous process of being transformed into the image of Christ. If justification saved us from the penalty of sin, sanctification enables us to live victoriously from the power of sin it's not easy though it's like all your life learning to drive on the right side of the road in australia you're good Well, let's say if you're from the Philippines or the U.S., where all your life you're driving on the left side of the road. It's like the entire life driving on the left side of the road, and then suddenly you're forced to drive on the right side, and the wheel's on the right, and the road's on the right, and the traffic's on the right. Everything's on the right. How many know, God, I need your grace? The believers in Crete were like that. They were trained in the ways of the world. But they needed to be trained now on the right side, in the ways of God right? And this is only possible through the grace of God. The transformation is possible. How? Through grace and the Holy Spirit. John 14, 25 to 26, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, which is the manifestation of God's grace in our daily lives, makes sanctification possible. By grace, through the Holy Spirit, he reminds us of God's truth and enables us to live according to his word. That's the still small voice that you hear every now and then when something enters your mind. The Holy Spirit says, you really want to do that? The process of sanctification happens not just in fire and lightning and hail. It can also happen in the still small voice, the whispers, and the closeness. This isn't part of my notes, but I was telling my kids this morning that what happened to Elijah, that's the still small voice. When you hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit... Be comforted. If I'm standing here, and you're standing over there, and I whisper, will you hear me? No. When do you hear a whisper? When the person is close. When you hear the whisper of God, know that he is close, right beside you. So what exactly does the grace of God enable us to do? Three things. First, it enables us to say no. So when we say training us to renounce ungodliness and wildly passions, when we say no, we are renouncing. Now what does renounce mean? Renounce means to give up loyalty or allegiance. Okay? So before we're loyal to something, now we're not loyal to it. I renounce potato chips. No, I don't. I renounce. But if you say I renounce potato chips... You're basically saying, I will never have potato chips again. That's the whole idea of renouncing, right? As new creations, our allegiance and our loyalty is no longer to the world but to Christ. So his standards become our standards. His culture becomes our culture. We see the world with new eyes. Our worldly perspective now becomes an eternal perspective. And that eternal perspective colors how we view the world. That grace sanctifies how we interact with the world. So what do we renounce? It says right here, we renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What could that possibly be? Whatever is ungodly and worldly. Could be a whole bunch of things. Could be immorality in all its forms. Could be religiosity. And by religiosity, what we're talking about is works for the sake of works. I'm doing this good thing just so that people will see that I'm a good person. We don't do good works because we want people to see and praise us for our good works, right? Good works are a product of the gratitude that we have because Christ has saved us. Self-centeredness, which again is rooted to the first part, because the Holy Spirit guides us to humility. And when we are humble, it breaks down pride. It doesn't become about us. It becomes all about Jesus and about how, at the end of the day, whatever we do will win us praise. If you're excellent, people will praise you. The question is, when we receive that praise, do we acknowledge the source of that excellence? God's grace also enables us to say yes. It says here, verse 12, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this day and age. Now, I'm speaking to myself when I say self-control is something that we constantly battle with. Especially if you were at Woolies and you saw that lint truffles were at better than half price. (laughs) Self-control naturally relates to our personal lives. So we're free under God's control. Okay? It doesn't mean, oh, because the Holy Spirit is in me, I must not have cheesecake. No, that's not what self-control is about. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Self-control is knowing up to when is it good for you. Right? So God's grace comes in, so it frees us from life-dominating patterns that can be bad for us. We all have patterns in our lives that we know can be harmful. God's grace is available and abundant for us to call upon if and when we're ready to say, I've had it with this. Whatever our struggle is, God's grace is abundant, and he is ready to help you when you're ready to ask for it so that we can live lives of self-control. And upright, basically, it relates to our relationships with everybody else. Look at your neighbor. Does he or she look like an upright person? Guess what? Upright isn't seen on the face. Thank goodness. Upright is seen in action. It's character. It's integrity. When we relate to other people and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, we deal with people fairly. We deal with people with grace. We deal with people with patience, with understanding, with truth. Finally, godly, it pertains to our relationship with God. A lot of us come to church with the hope that if I sit here in church and I listen to this message, I'll be able to leave and I'll be godly. Attendance in church does not equate godliness. The Holy Spirit will help guide us there. But remember, the first word here is training. It's training. Can we be trained in one day? No. A champion runner does not become a runner by sitting on the sofa. And for us, godliness will not come from a 30-minute sermon on a Saturday. It comes with training and what needs to take place. Literally every person in this room is in a better shape than me. You guys get up in the morning to do your run to do your weights, to do your cardio, right? You get in shape because you set aside time and you do it. Godliness is the same thing. You want to draw closer to God, you got to set time and talk to God. You want to walk in his way, you got to find him, and you got to walk with him. It happens every day, not just once on a Saturday, but that's what grace does. Let's start again. Every day is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. You slip, you stumble, you fall, you sin. The grace of God is abundant and ready and waiting for you. Our last point, God's grace enables us to hope. It says waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. God's grace doesn't just transform our eternity. It doesn't just enable us to live victoriously. It enables us to wait patiently for his glory. All of this is heading somewhere, my friends. All of this is heading somewhere. There is a place waiting for you and for me. And the only reason we're able to walk through that door, the only reason why we're even confident that something is waiting at the edge of death is faith and grace. It's super duper. First of all, I was going to say super duper. Who says super duper at 42? Let's try that again. Ultimately, God's grace will redeem us, right? How do we know that all of this, all of this is for something? God's hope, the hope that is available to us is available here, okay? So if we know that one day, no matter what happens, one day we know that we are going to a better place, that hope Sustains us through the everyday. I'll say that again. If we know someday we're going to a better place, God's hope is enough to sustain us through the every day. That's important because there will be days when we will stumble. There will be days when we will fall. When those things happen, sometimes it can shake our faith. What do we do when someone gets sick? What do we do when people die? I mean, for goodness sake, we had a hailstorm a few days ago, and I'm reading things on Twitter about saying, oh, my God, I want to kill myself. My windshield's broken. You want to die over a broken windshield? Really? Really? But people's priorities are worldly priorities until your perspective changes by grace from anything that I brought to you guys today, this is what I'd like you to remember and to take home with you. If you want to take a picture, this is what you want to take a picture of. God's amazing grace transforms not just our eternity, but it enables us to live our present reality victoriously. Here today I'm looking at every single one of you. You have been in difficult situations, right? You have been in situations that you wish no one else would have to go through, right? And here you are today. Still here, standing strong. You are living testimonies of God's grace, my friends. Someday, someone's going to come to you and someone's going to say, I'm going through this. do i get through it and you're gonna say i've been there i understand i know i'm here for you because god's grace enables us to live this reality with victory whatever it is that you are going through you can overcome overcome People have overcome it in the past and you will overcome it and you will be a testimony to God's grace so that one day someone who goes through it you will be able to help him or her and that person by God's grace will come to know Jesus. Every one of us is a living testimony to God's grace. So this process of sanctification my friends this process of becoming more and more like Christ, every day we're going through that. Every day is a victory. And you are all overcomers. Can we praise God for that? Can we praise God for that? Oh, God. Okay. We're going to pray and we're going to worship. But before we do that, I'd like to request everyone to just rise. Can we please stand so that we can pray? Because I know that the Holy Spirit is here. I know that the Holy Spirit is here and He is ready to minister to you. Father, You are the source of all good things. You are a source of grace. And it is in your nature, God, to provide for your children. So right now, God, we just want to thank you first. Let there be an outpouring of praise, God, because you have been good. All eyes are closed and all heads are bowed. And there is a place for the Holy Spirit to move this morning. There is a place for spontaneous praise. So if you know God has been good to you, I just want you to thank Him because He deserves it. This we think back. If God has been good to you, I just want you to just put your hands together and clap and thank Him. God, thank you for keeping my family safe. God, thank you for keeping our home safe in this fire. God, thank you for the healing that you have brought our family. God, thank you for the provision that you have sent us. God, thank you for the open doors. Thank you for the new opportunities. Thank you for thank you for flinging open the window. Thank you, God, because you have given And you are given abundantly. But right now, God, we also want to thank you for the pain. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if you are in a place of pain, my brother, my sister, I'm telling you, there is a grace abundant for you. And the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, it enables us to say no to whatever the enemy is telling you today. If the enemy is telling you that you can't do it, the enemy is wrong. If the enemy is telling you that you're not going to earn enough, that the provision is not coming, the enemy is wrong. If the enemy is telling you that the relationship is doomed, the enemy is wrong. If the enemy is telling you that salvation is not yours to have, the enemy is wrong. But right now there is a place for faith. And so I encourage you to exercise that faith and accept that grace. If you are in a bad place, I want to pray for you. And invite you to raise your hand. If you're believing God for something, we want to pray with you. Invite you to just raise your hand. and We will let the Holy Spirit speak to us you know what God's gonna God's gonna just deliver whatever that is I see that hand yes thank you I see that hand yes thank you yes I celebrate the humility in this room today thank you I won't keep this up a few more seconds I see that hand thank you amen thank you we're just gonna let the Holy Spirit just speak to us right now can we pray for our brothers and sisters yes we can right right so all eyes are closed And all heads are bowed, but we see hands in the air. And we're just going to ask God to just answer the prayers of our brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray right now for our brothers and sisters raising their hands. And Lord, whatever they're praying for right now, Lord, I just pray that your eyes see them, that your ears hear them, and that the answer to their prayers are coming. Lord, I pray for the healing of relationships, that your son Jesus will bring humility into relationships. I pray, Father, that there will be a healing of broken hearts, God, of hearts that have been hurt by people who did not even know they were hurting. But I pray, Father, there will be healing and there will be reconciliation. Father, I also pray, I also pray, God, that there will be a release of of unnecessary burdens, Lord. I sense that there are people here today who are feeling burdened by expectations that may not have been put on them in the first place. Lord, I pray, remind them of who they are. Remind them that they are sons and daughters of the Most High. Remind them, God, that You have given them everything that they need so that they can glorify You. But remind them first and foremost, God, that they are already beautiful and worthy in Your eyes. Remind them, Lord, of their value. Remind them, God, of their favor in your eyes. I pray, Lord, that there will be healing today, a personal healing. And I pray, Father, that people around them will speak life to them. I pray that people will encourage them. I pray that people will remind them that they are valuable finally God I just want to pray Father for people who have been looking for answers there are people here God who are questioning things and they're asking you questions like Lord why am I in this situation how did I get here how do I find my way out Lord remind them In the stillness of their hearts, whisper to them, remind them that they are with you and you are with them. Remind them, Father, that you are Emmanuel. God is with us. Open their hearts and their minds, God, to your direction for them and your path for them. And speak lovingly to them, Father, Remind them that they are loved and remind them, God, that you are with them. Father, we thank you for you, a great and glorious God. We declare that there is no one like you, there is no one before you, there is no one above you. Thank you for what you are about to do in each and everyone in this room today. We thank you that as they go out, Father, they will be living testimonies to your grace. May your name be glorified in how they live their lives in the most holy name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen and amen. Let's give him praise, church. He deserves it. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at encanbra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canberra.